listening to Chugga Talk with Ryan Murphy, a podcast by Pull Across Made Simple. Hello friends, this episode is brought to you by Saucy Farm. Located in Wiggins, Mississippi, they're the premier Australian stock horse stud in North America. Proudly standing are Ballandown Zorro, Hayden Satellite, and Stonebrook Finno. Ballandown Zorro has fresh cooled semen with a live full guarantee. Hayden Satellite and Stonebrook Finno have a limited supply of frozen semen. Ballandown Zorro offspring have proven time and time again that athleticism, endurance, speed, and intelligence are just a few of the qualities his offspring possess on their way to close to 200 best playing pony awards. Zorro offspring are also exceptional in hunter jumper and eventing discipline. Hayden Satellite comes from the famous Hayden Horse Stud in Australia and is currently proving himself on the polo cross field. Satellite offspring were awarded best playing horse in international test matches in 2019 and his offspring have now started to make a name for themselves in the jumping arena. Stonebrook Finno is the premier sire in Australia for polo cross. Saucy Farm is near and dear to my heart. By purchasing our two stallions two years ago, Karen and Charles have carried on the legacy of my family and the hard work that my mother put into bringing the Australian stock horses to the United States for the sport of polo cross. All four of my horses are a result of that breeding program, and you just can't go wrong. Saucy Farm and Australian stock horses, the breed for every need. You can find them on Facebook or call 228-263-0930. Are you a polo cross related business? Chucka Talk has a truly global audience. To learn more about advertising here, email me at ryan at polocrossmadesimple.com. Space is limited. Personal fitness is so important in the sport of polo cross. Although we can't all look like Stefan Harris, we could all be working towards our own fitness goals. I've learned through personal experience that having a community of friends that share their fitness and nutrition ideas and activities truly can motivate others to follow suit. A rising tide raises all the ships in the harbor. Please join the American Polo Cross Association's fitness community today on Facebook groups. It's called American Polo Cross Fitness Group. It's hosted by the APA's Player Development Program and open to members worldwide. If you see Steph Harris, please encourage him to join for abs motivation. Again, it's a Facebook group called American Polo Cross Fitness Group. Get pumped! On this episode of Chugga Talk, you'll meet Cody Campbell, Zimbabwean-born, South African resident player and the leader of the Polo Cross Bible. Cody shares his thoughts on the state of African Polo Cross. We discuss exciting events and players we are looking forward to this year, the global adoption of the multi-horse tournament format, the advancement of youth Polo Cross, the importance of racket tricks, and much more. How's it going, Ron? Good, how are you? Welcome, man. Sorry, I was just grabbing myself a glass of wine. I've got the veins. Oh, nice. Very good. For a a good time, man. Cheers, man. Nice to have you. Nice to see you. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. How's everything going that side? You guys out of lockdown and carrying on? Well, we've been carrying on for quite a while. Things are looking up. I mean, numbers going down. I mean, some places, it's so erratic. I mean, you go to some places and it's like, there's no COVID and each state is different, but we're about to have spring break. That could be a spike. You guys invented a variant to the disease that uh, hopefully we can, we don't have to worry about <laughs> hoping the vaccine. It seems like it's been handling it. Yeah. We're game changers, Ryan. We just do, that's what we do. <laughs> 
it can't be that bad where you are. I mean, remote. What, what's it like there? Have you known anyone to get it? Well, we don't. We're not actually that remote. We, I'm in. I'm in Joburg, or well, just outside Joburg. So we we like Vix works in town, so she goes into into school every single day. Yeah, we've known a few people that have it, but yeah, like it's uh, yeah, not not on the same scale as other places. I think. I think. Well, the signs of it, they um, I was like someone in like the UK, just everyone's got it and they're trying to carry on. But yeah, it's not as bad, it's not quite as bad as that. I, I have heard the South African variants a bit um, a bit different, but yeah, I'm not too cleared up on it. Yeah, at this point in time, I just want to go into a supermarket without having to wear a bloody mask. Are they wearing masks at the school? See, they have to wear masks the whole time, and then there's like set times where each class is different and they stagger the times, and then they have to go sanitize and wash hands and that sort of thing. When we first got back to South Africa, we, we went to Zim for, for New Year's, um, just after Christmas, spent time with my folks there. And then when we were coming back, there was a, a disaster at the border. So we couldn't drive back. So I had to leave my car in Zim and my dog in Zim. And we flew back to South Africa for work. And then I drove up for, um, I drove back to get it. But yeah, when I was dropping the off, we were sharing a car for like uh, three weeks, four weeks. And I dropped it off. It was like five stations of sanitizing and filling out forms. And like, you know, pretty strict about it. So I think they have got quite a good handle on it, especially because you know, I just don't think homeschooling is an option for a lot of parents anymore. They just can't do it. So it's, uh, have to be careful. I mean, hopefully, we're hoping to be all vaccinated by the end of the summer. That's kind of oh, we, oh, I heard they were trying to start rolling out vaccines quite soon here, yeah, but we'd be very low on the totem pole when it comes to that. So we would only have a like he's just talking that doctors already had their vac- uh, vaccines, but we are we won't get until the very end. We're you know, quite young and religiously healthy, and that sort of thing. So I'm trying to find something wrong with me so I can get a vaccine so I don't have to wear a flippant mask. Oh, and my lot <laughs> but it's yeah. uh, not working so well. How is Vicky doing? Oh, she's going well, mate. I think she's uh, a little bit surprised at how much more how, how difficult it is living with me. There's only we've like, <laughs> you know, we've technically been living together since like November last year, but it's been sort of stop and start. And I went to Zim for a couple of weeks, and she was uh, at her folks' place for a couple of weeks. And so it's been flat out for about eight weeks now. And I think it's uh, starting to settle in that she's she's actually stuck here. And I won't open it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good. You're you're surviving. You're thriving. You're um, that's yeah, good. I mean, most people can't handle it. I'm this ages me, but I just started. I just started get, getting into TikTok. Yeah. As a as a fan, I don't make videos, but this <laughs> this son is interviewing his father, and he goes, "All right, option A, you're in. You know, you're in lockdown with your with your mother. Option B, he goes." Option B, option B. He's like, I didn't even give you option B. And he's like, yeah, option B, whatever that is. <laughs> yeah. No, even that doesn't matter. What's the weather like there? It looks like you've got a little bit of a sunburn. It's been like, you know, I've been growing web feet for the last couple of weeks because uh, it's been raining pretty much nonstop. And then we had a couple of days, or a couple of weeks ago, two weeks ago, for three days where it didn't rain. And then it started again. And then luckily, uh, last weekend, there was a junior camp up in Joburg, so Bruce McClarty came and uh, brought a couple of couple of his younger players, well, not younger players, but sort of Charles McDonald and Josh Larue and them came up. So yeah, we sort of played with them, um, and it was nice. It was that that sort of that weekend. The weather was very kind to us. We didn't get any rain, obviously, with the sunburn. I was, I was in, the, in the sun pretty much the whole time. Yeah, but yeah, bit of a batches and a fire because um, um, yeah, I haven't looked at a horse for a couple of weeks and. 
then I had to go play tuckers for two days. So it was, I've done some of my back and you know, drinking arms not as not as strong as it was. And you know, yeah, like we you phoned yesterday or you messaged yesterday and said, "Hey, you want to you want to have a chat?" Um, I did try to stay up for you, but I think quarter to eight was my bedtime. <laughs> I was very relieved to get a, get into under the blanket and fall asleep until this morning. We uh, older players, middle age, we have a lot to deal with because a month Monday a week ago. I threw out my back and it's really, it's like a muscle that's like a low, lower back. And if you don't have enough strength there and you bend down, you don't use your legs when you go down, like it pulls something for me. Like I have this one spot. And so it's just like these type of things that uh, I have to worry about as an older person. A couple of years ago, there's a, there's a polo guy up in Joburg that told me that, I don't know if it's the same with polo cross, but I assume it could be, it must be. That if your back gets sore, it's because your stomach muscles aren't strong enough. If your stomach gets sore, it's because your back's not strong enough. So, you know, that was this theory. I don't know if it's uh, based on anything factual, but uh, you know, he recommended my back got sore because my, I didn't do enough sit-ups, which is that's probably fair to be honest. But I'm not far off. See, I have chicken legs, so if, if, I, if I have too much weight up top and I bend down and pick something up incorrectly, it's just, you know, it's just a recipe for disaster. So I've got to do... Have you been I, following Steph Harris's training plan? Well, he won't come on the fitness group. He could be more of a leader in that regard. I wish I wish he would just join the fitness group. My chiropractor says that I need to do more Supermans where you're like working your lower back and you know, all these exercises. Yeah. So I, need, I need to work that into my routine. It's a struggle. Oh, we discussed it the other day. So fitness is actually, uh, when you're 17, you don't even think about it. It just comes naturally. And you, you leave school and find beer. <laughs> um, but uh, all sort of melts away. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> Chatting to to um, to well, Donnie Swan came up uh, to and stayed with us for a couple of days while I was and I was chatting to him and sort of uh, yeah, just about fitness and podocross and that sort of thing. He, he's yeah. uh, sort of in the same same mindset as us. So you, you have to be fit to play podocross, and I mean, I haven't been for the last two years. I've been, I mean, I haven't definitely haven't been fit enough to play proper podocross. Yeah, so I, was, uh, I mean, we chatted about the other day, and I was, uh, I'm not not deaf by far, sure. I'm not uh, anyway close to being a sure in the next World Cup, but if I if I am left out, it's not because I'm going to be just, I'm unfit. Right. So we started, uh, you know, Vix is pretty good about uh, making me work out and making me yeah. go for runs, that sort of thing. So it's, yeah. it is nice to have a, and we've got a new pointer puppy that needs to run about six k a day, otherwise it doesn't go to sleep. So. <laughs> Um, we take him out quite fairly often, so it is you know, you know, getting into the swing of things, and uh, yeah, yeah, it is a, it is quite a big portion of the game. I think we, you know, maybe ten years ago was overlooked, but now it needs it needs right. to be taken a little bit more seriously. I think I have to throw a jab at you. Um, you can't just have your groom exercise the dog, right? You wouldn't do that. Okay, no, 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 no. <laughs> that's for you. No, no, yeah, it's it's too small for him to ride, so you can't. Uh... <laughs> I'm wearing the 2003 World Cup, first World Cup hat. And this is Kenny's hat. The, he was like the, you know, the, the groom that got to be on the team. He's now like a police officer, uh, Bruce was talk, telling me. Uh, the point is, is in that first game against Australia, the first game of any World Cup, U.S. versus Australia, I'm not as fit as I need to be, which is kind of pathetic because I'm in the World Cup. And halfway through that first chukka, it's like they're flying around at, you know, 100 miles per hour and I'm in like slow motion. And I just didn't have the cardiovascular fitness. You throw in, you know, adrenaline, being scared. No, you just throw in all these things. And if you're you, scared, genuinely, it's a, it's a hell of a different game. It's so much faster than you 
and you'd be used to it from a week-to-week basis. So it is it's quite a frightening prospect. So over time, I've definitely worked on my fitness. And yeah, that's definitely a huge part of it. And that's why I have the, the fitness group for the American Polo Cross Association. It, you know, come share your, your workouts, kind of be a part of the community. If other people are doing things, it motivates you to do more things. Yeah, 100%. But yeah. America is, is, is I mean, in, in most uh, most sports and most facets of life, there America does sensationalism very well. So they like you, like that group that you've got going on. It just brings another level to. It's almost it's a little bit more professional than other other countries would be. I mean, it's good. It's definitely good for the game. It's good for everything. You know, you, you watch the. I don't really follow it too much, but you watch like the NFL and the Super Bowl and that sort of thing, and the the level they go to to make it spectacular is unbelievable. Our, our last U.S. team had, you know, James and Gene as their coach, and they, they're they just crazy fitness people. They had them on a crazy schedule. Um, they were fit. They were definitely oh, super freaks out. So they were following that. They were having to report every day what they did, and that accountability really helps. Yeah, I don't think any coach could really leave that out, and it'll definitely show. Robbie's going to, for the, our World Cup training camps, he's going to try to simulate uh, sort of vigorous – exercise and then having to play in that mindset so i don't know if he's going to make us run a mile um and then hop on and play i don't know what he's going to do but he's going to try to simulate that as best he can because it's, yeah. it's, can you kind of slow your mind down relax you know bring your uh focus in when there's all this stuff going on you know at the same time <clears throat> oh going back a few years now again also urging myself but uh Hamish Michael coached us a few years ago on a 25 side. It was a very similar sort of idea that he made us play netball for the longest periods. And I, the thing that stuck with me is the amount of mistakes that you make towards the end of a, like a 10-minute chucker. If you, uh, you're running around and, and sort of eight, from 8 minutes to 10 minutes, you're just making stupid mistakes and passing balls that you should never pass just because you, you, like, you're not thinking straight. Something else that you have to think about. Right. Something I, I, I prefer that I didn't have to think about, but, you know. <laughs> I want to talk about the upcoming tournaments and kind of what's going on this year, what you're excited about. I'm just trying to create this master calendar so that I can sort of announce what's coming up. I'm hoping that people will start to use my side uh, sidebar voicemail button on my website to leave a voicemail about, you know, who won what, MVP awards, <laughs> best player, best horse. And yeah. uh, just leave a recording afterwards, the organizers of the tournament, and then I can post it on the podcast around the world. We can all sort of understand what's going on in other places and sort of recognize people uh, from all over the world. I like that idea. Oh, it's very cool. Well, I'm impressive that uh, it would be the African country that you can get can get it right. <laughs> well, so. I try. I try to message. I try to message the other countries, and you know, some respond, some don't, some post it on their site, and I totally get it. I mean, the African schedule isn't. Doesn't really start till what June? Uh, no, we've got well, the first tournament I know in South Africa is in about three weeks' time. Oh. But not, yeah, it's the amount of I don't know what game they've got out in Bethel, but yeah, it's just been yeah, we've had one tournament moved already and some there. It's quite a cool initiative that they're trying to get a ladies' tournament, like a, like a sort of ladies' invitational, mm-hmm. um, where a Zimbabwean girl would find an outside lady, so like. I don't know, I'm trying to think of names. But like, so, say, for example, Kirsten's playing with a, a five or a six handicap, I think. And she would find a five or a six handicap from South Africa to come across and win. And, oh, so that was gonna, that was really cool. And I think they had two divisions going as well. Um, and then just because of the rain and the no one could get horses ready, no one can, you know, you're not, you're not really sure how the fields are going to play. So they, they, I don't know if they scrapped it, but they definitely 
if we postponed it. So as far as, but yeah, I mean, I think finding a weekend we can get that right again is going to be quite difficult. Yeah, we had some challenges with weather here. Um, Texas had a cold spout and they just, their whole infrastructure wasn't used to freezing pipes, freezing it. I mean, they're just, mm. they just weren't prepared. This happened 10 years ago and they didn't fix the problem. Nothing's insulated on their whole power grid. And because it's Texas, they have their, it's their power grid is isolated. They don't cross state lines because they don't want to be federally controlled. So it's like, yeah. you know, it's got like, you know, guns and everything else. They're very independent, right? So they had a little bit of a hiccup. People were dying in their cars because they were trying to sleep in their cars and the, the exhaust inside their garage, things like that. Uh, yeah, pretty sad. So, and, and, and at the same time, we're getting a lot of rain in the South. So yeah, there were some def- definite challenges there. Where I'm at, there's just so much snow and ice. I can't even, I don't have an indoor, so I, I can't even get out there and ride. So I'm going into this first tournament of the year down in uh, Grand Bay, Alabama this weekend. And I was fortunate enough to uh, be offered a horse. So I'm going to go down there and play. And <laughs> I haven't ridden. I've been working out, you know, pretty hard. So my cardio will be fine. But to throw a pull across the ball, I have a, I just bought a new lacrosse net. It's eight by six. It's gigantic. Okay. But, yeah. But eight foot is the height of my ceiling, so it's hard to get a, a normal overarm and all that. So I, I'm at a. Are you trying to get some overarms going right? <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> you I'm not, go join them. That's part of my plan. I'm. Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, I'm just. So I'm going into this tournament with it's going to be a challenge, but uh, luckily I have 30 years of you know under, under my belt, so hopefully that'll help. And uh, I'm going to stretch so I don't pull anything, but just going to try to have a lot of fun. And then the end of April will be my next tournament. There's two back to back in Texas that I'm flying down to, so I'll have a little bit of time. Uh, we're having a tournament in Florida in a, in three weeks at Charlie Horse. It's getting started here. It's it's just getting going. Uh, we're going to have a normal schedule this year. There's, uh, we're having nationals that got postponed from last year. Uh, we're actually going to have nationals two years in a row to make up for it. So, um, so yeah, it's a busy year. Is there anything excited that you're excited about? Uh, that any big matches going on there? Do you know anything about the high goal? Obviously, with Bruce coming up last weekend, we we chatted a bit, and then and he was here a couple of weeks, uh, weeks ago that I met him for coffee, and he started talking about the high goal. And obviously. There's not going to be many overseas players coming in uh, just because of where we are in the world. So it's uh, just a bit disappointing. But I think it is exciting that it probably opens a few doors for, for other players coming through. Sorry, I just got to remind them that's right, something that's right. should be exciting about. <laughs> um, yeah, so the, the high goal is going to be different. But from what from, from the past, so all the high goal or Zim opens or Zamian opens and those sort of things is if you if you give it too much time off, you literally everyone's got such a short memory that if you and they forget about it so quickly because if you if you take a year off, so we took a year off of high goal last year, obviously, and uh, if you don't have the, the the people coming in, it just sort of fizzles away. Um, so that is it's it's exciting that in the fact that they're still giving it a go, you know, they're still going to give it their best go. Um, and got, you know, wish them luck. Uh, there's a couple of other things like in South Africa, there's a President's Cup, but I don't actually know the format. I, I, yeah, I haven't done my homework, but there's it's it's quite an interesting format. And uh, Manfred has been of the President's and Passer has uh, has been very good about getting involved and in, you know, coming up with innovative ways to keep sort of changing the game. So he's 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 been very very good about you know bringing up new tournaments and bringing up new formats and that sort of thing. And I think he's working quite closely with with Bruce because Bruce is 
been brought in again as the national coach. Uh, they mm-hmm. voted him in quite recently, so he's he, he's going to be working quite closely with Manfred, I think. Uh, any, so he, any insight on those formats that he's talking about? Look, I, this is again, this, I, I don't know if it's one hundred percent correct, but we I do know that there was chats about some sort of like high goal tournaments where it's not necessarily a high goal, but it's it's high goal format. So there's good polycross players, you know, and they 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 develop their own teams and that sort of thing, and mm-hmm. come in as and make the as mega teams as they can, and they carry. Yeah, like it, it may not necessarily a league, but a couple of big tournaments. So like the Tim Memorial is one of them. That is always a big tournament, and they're trying to push that as a, as a one of the, the tournaments that improves the level of polycross. Because you if you you can't you can't be playing like a World Cup, for example. It's, it's, that's what they I mean we're all gearing up for. So you, you you're pulling towards that, and if you're not playing that level of polycross on a regular basis, you're not gonna you're not gonna be competitive. Especially with, like, with a country like Australia, because Australia is, I mean, they're a powerhouse and they've got numbers on their side. So they do play competitive polycross week in and week out. Whereas in South Africa, any other country, I suppose, you're not going to play that level of polycross every single week. And then you're going to get to like a Tim Memorial where everyone puts their, their gun side in and have a shootout. And then IPT, they have a shootout. And Nationals, they have another one. Um, so yeah, you. It's, it's, I think they're just sort of trying to develop something um, to have good polycross the whole way through. But yeah, it's, it's, it's very, I'm very excited for that sort of thing because you know, it, it opens up doors for other players to, to come in and get blooded in that, in that level, which can only improve polycross and improve that 18, 19, 20 year old player that's coming through and has got a heap of talent. But probably not if there was one tournament here, if it was just the high goal, it probably wouldn't get a, get a run. So it's exciting for them. So I'm assuming it's multi-horse, but are are they looking at like seven or eight players on a team? That's, yeah, for the high goal, I think it's seven players high goal, and you know I can only assume they'll carry on to that that sort of idea. Yeah, it will be multi-horse just because I mean I know it's 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 always a debate and people sort of uh, jump on the bandwagon, but I've seen I mean I'm in a, in a sort of a very privileged point of view. I've I've come from my family and Zim, my mom's very involved in podcastism. It's her passion, probably. More than mine, she mm. loves it. She loves podcast way more than I do. But uh, so she, she's always had. I've always had very good horses in Zim, and always had a lot of good horses in Zim. It's nice for me to go back to Zim and, and play. I can go and if I want to play a horse at Chaka. I can do that. Obviously, depending on the law and the rules. But if I if, if the rules allow, I can play good horses the whole way through. And obviously, I'm not advantage there. But then they change the laws to say you can only play one horse, which is fine. But then it doesn't encourage me to produce horses. I'm not going to go into a tournament and say, well, I'm going to play this really good four-year-old because I can get a chuck out of it and blood it without, without cooking his head. So I'll just leave that one at home and, or not get a four-year-old because it's not worth my time. Um, and then in South Africa, I'm in the opposite, sort of, in the opposite side of the spectrum. Where as a student, I mean, I wasn't supposed to play polycross and then she went to I went to a bar in first year and I met a polycross girl that I knew and she said, Oh, come, we're going to go play polycross this weekend. You were, you were, and I borrowed her dad. I was oh, Courtney saw and I borrowed Kevin her dad's um helmet and his boots and his stick and his saddle and everything. So and his horses. So I don't even think he played that weekend. He's he's all this crap. Yeah, that, I started playing then and I had a bit of money saved. So I just bought a horse and I've played that horse for, for four years. And yeah, I've had the one. So I've been on the other side of the spectrum with 
So that's the, the argument people have with me is, oh, if you only had one horse, you'd think differently. And I, do, I just don't. I've got one horse. And I just I just think it's wrong. Like he, I do understand going into the situation. Like he, he, he's just not encouraging. I mean, I'm on, I'm on the opposite side of the spectrum. But you, you're looking at like Graham and Travis and Yanni and those boys. And then, obviously, the really good girls. And you're not encouraging them to to develop good horses because they don't have the opportunity to play them. If they want to be competitive, they're just going to play good horses. So why would they why would they bring young horses in? I think for high goal, for any of these big matches, you just make it multi-horse. You make it – it's not about the horses per se. It's about the spectacle. It's about the top players in the world and just having really good pull across. Yeah. Kind of like Gladiator. Are you not entertained? Like, yeah, that's exactly it. That's yeah. A, oh, it's right. We, we, we live in a – in the society we're in now, if it's, I mean, and I, I joke with Vicky all the time about it, is if it's not aesthetically pleasing, if it doesn't make me excited when I look at it, I don't want it. So if it's, you know, like if, we, if we're playing very good polo cross on one horse, but we're saving horses and we're being clever and we're being tr- strategic in how we ride them and, you know, trotting here and not running there, I'm like, oh, like it, it's, it's pretty good. Like it's impressive, but fuck me, how goes I go? So, yeah. No, so you, you're not going to, it's not going to, it doesn't excite me. It doesn't make me, you know, I don't know. That's, that, that's for me. It's just, if it doesn't, doesn't look pleasing to my eye, I'm not interested. Yeah. So, I mean, I do, I do understand the need. So like on the other side of that is IPT, which is the interprovincials in South Africa, which is a, I, I think is probably the nicest part across here. And then SA champs. And then we've got our nationals. Um, both sort of tournaments should be one horse, 100%. That you and you, you bring in all sorts of things. You bring in horsemanship. You bring bring in. You know, you have to have a horse that's ready. You have to have a horse that's well tra- well schooled enough, well uh, well exercised, nice and fit. Find guy there half cooked. It's, it's that sort of thing. You, I do agree that you need one horse. But your day to day tournament, like you go, if you're going from going across to to Bethel in three weeks time for there, I don't even know what tournament it's called. But there, if I'm going there and I've got three horses, I want to play three horses, and um, I can only benefit. South African polo cross and the, the horse pool in South Africa. So, yeah, that's for me, that's what I'm looking at. Do you think it there should be a line drawn between the upper level A grade and everyone else? Because I know in South Africa you are allowing it just in A grade. So yes. is there a concern of making it across the board and totally changing the game, making it inaccessible or at least on a competitive level, less you know accessible for the average person to play? Obviously, it's different at the top level. You know, you've got to you've got to have maybe more a skin in the game. But uh, yeah. are, they, are they drawing a line over there like that? I, yeah, I mean, definitely. In Zim, they did it a few years ago. And I think it's still still probably still the case now, um, and that that helped us keep. Because then, you know, you've got um, like, like I said, I've got a couple of good horses. Donny Swan went and, and bought a, a few really good horses, and he produced a couple of good horses. Crunchy Baker went and bought a few really good horses, and that improved the not only the numbers of horses in the country, but the quality of horses in the country. So it's, it's, that, that's helped a lot. I mean, yeah, the, 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 the B division and down is, I agree with that. I mean, you don't, uh, I don't know. Personally, I don't think you need two horses over a weekend if you're playing B division. It's just not, I don't think it's necessary. Um, on the other hand, I mean, B division is fucking terrifying. It's more dangerous. Oh yeah, dangerous. definitely. They know just enough to be dangerous sometimes. Um, yeah. So I, I don't want to offend anyone out there. So if you are playing B division, you're probably really good. Um, but 
<laughs> the chance of you getting hurt in B division are slightly higher. The confidence in going fast is there, but maybe not necessarily the understanding of where to go fast. Yeah. Um, so if you, you end up in car crashes, just because it's you got uh, five people running towards the ball in different directions. I mean, it ends, yeah, and yeah. two of them are umpires, so it's it doesn't doesn't work out well for me. If you if you're gonna if you're gonna draw a line, yeah, they say B division and say A division, you're gonna you're gonna go through horses because you're going faster. We, there's the argument. The I, I can go in the bottoms for for days, right? So you're gonna draw The other argument is like I mean, I spoke to Haim. Haim is a, a very good protocol fan. He's played very good protocol for years, but he he brought it up a few times. Like he said, oh, you know, back in back in nineteen or whatever, you know, Barry Burbage and those likes used to play. Flat out polycross, four chuckers a, a game on the same horse, and they would play for three days, and you know, and then they would go to the bar and carry on until four in the morning, and then start again at five. But the game has changed so there's so much in terms of. Well, I mean, again, I wasn't there in 1973, but the, as far as I understand, the game's changed immensely. So you can't the speed that you're going in division, the speed of it that you, the intensity that we're playing at in A grade now is just a different game and it's different. You're expecting way more out of the horse. So I just don't see the downside for horses. Why you see, you know, I don't I don't think it's a bad horsemanship thing. I can't I can't imagine people saying, oh you're a crap horseman because you, you want to play more more than one horse. It's, no, I want to rest my horse so it doesn't die. Right. Um so it's yeah, so yeah for me that's it. And again like also going back to that especially in, in Africa. Before, I don't know, call it 1995, people that played polo cross were almost exclusively farmers. So they could, and I mean, especially beef farmers, could could farm in the morning until 12 o'clock and then go play tuckers from the afternoon. So they also played flat out the whole time and they were so fit. So that's what, and then now most people are working nine to five or seven to five. So they can't even get a ride in the morning and they, you know, they get back and by then it's dark. I mean, look, very good friends of mine, my, probably my best mate in the world that has a, we go ride with them. I was living with them for lockdown last year and they've got spotlights in their, in their arena purely for that because they get home at seven o'clock at night after Joburg traffic and they've got five minutes of light before it gets dark and they turn on the spotlights and ride three horses and then go eating at a bit. Not everyone has that though, so I don't know, but when I ride it often, it's about what time the sun goes on. <laughs> yeah. We could definitely talk about this forever. I mean, where I draw the line is like like the regional or the nationals. Let's keep it pure, you know, horse. Hundred percent. Yep. And yeah. uh, and we're we're having a lot of multi horse this year. I'm I'm not resisting that too much. I just I know they always talk about a slippery slope. Where it's where is it going to end up? And so I'm fine with it, except for like a nationals, like 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 we sort of agree. And then below A grade, I'm sure at some point people will complain that. Why aren't you letting everyone do this? What we lack in the States is people training horses to sell. A lot mm -hmm. of our top players are, have multi-horse for themselves. Very few have them to resell. So it's going to help them, but we don't have it to the next level where it's going to help other players. I can't name one trainer that, that trains to sell. It's just personal players that might have one that they sell as a project but that happens so rarely. And then you look, you look at Australia, and oh my gosh, it's like, well, let me talk Compete about industry. Yeah, let me talk about Baragoon Sale. 
you've got a horse that sold for over 40,000, Hayden Turnbull's horse. That's Aussie dollars, so maybe it's yeah. 30,000. Oh, and it it's still it could probably do what camp, it? it could probably do camp drafting as well. You know? And so they have and then you look at the grills. I mean, they have this tremendous facility. They have so many wonderful horses. They have some of the best horse trainers there helping them produce these horses. Um, they have a system. It's just like turnkey, put out the best horses. And that's just something that we lack here. And it sure would be nice to have because it would definitely raise the level of the sport. One thing I'm excited about this year is the Swan Cup, which is an incentive cup. It's not sort of like put your teams together. There's a prize, prize money. There's a sale. Um, and that's happening this summer in Australia that they had to postpone from last year. And I don't know if you heard the Hayden Turnbull interview that they had. They're, they're having, they call it a podcast. It's a video of them talking about the Swan Cup every week, building up to it. Yeah. And they're asking Hayden, you know, what do you think about having seven players? And he's sort of, he's kind of like me, you know, he's, he's about the same age. And he just feels like you bring in seven players, then, you know, you have to decide, okay, when, if you're, if you're going really well, when do you bring in this other player? You know, it's good to have the extra horse, good to have more players playing in these in these events, uh, he likes the purity of the game and all that. These things are happening, and I'm 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 trying to encourage one of my um, my sponsor Saucy Farm to have an incentive match for the Australian stock horses. They have to at least be a first cross. We're trying to put one together. We might get thirty to forty horses together for that. Probably fifteen to twenty that are in for the polo cross, but just have something where we have a pot of money. We have some sort of handicap limit and just have top polo cross um yeah we're trying to put together a high goal for next year which is going to be phenomenal if we can pull that off in the spring of 2022 and that's more about you know the spectacle like a polo event and just having the best players in the world have eight players come so one man one woman per team have it mixed mm -hmm. four, te four teams if we can put it together but it's it's just trying to create more and more of these opportunities to have the best pull yeah. across you can have. So I don't know. I just, that was a lot of different things, but you're definitely going to have people that resist the idea of more than six players and more than six horses. But um, I think we can uh, agree there's a place for it. If yeah. you're not moving, you're standing still. Like if you're not changing the game and making it more exciting and making people like me that have a short attention span, yeah. it's, it's not going to, and I mean, it's my, then my entire age group is, we can't focus on, TV show for more than two seasons. So it's a, right. Yeah. Oh, you're gonna get. You know, you're not gonna get. If you just leave it the same and say, right, three men, three men, three ladies, and you're allowed one horse each, go out there and play. Yeah. Eventually, we're gonna be like, oh, well, you know, I can, I can go to play squash or golf or is it something different? I mean, see. Yeah. You know, so I, yeah. I just think you should change, just change it up and see what happens. You know, Nothing's written in stone, so if it doesn't work, change it. Yeah. Um, during the Baragoon competition, we had a, a watch party and it was kind of crazy how it worked out with scheduling. You would have, it would have been the middle of the night for you. And it was like the evening for us, but the morning for them. And, um, and I want to have watch parties this year as much as I can. Um, you know, like there's this bear stock series that's happening in April at work, uh, which is interstate pole across. Uh, so that's going to be phenomenal. If they can get that at all live streamed, we can be watching it. We can be talking about it. But I was watching uh, and speak back to the Hayden Turnbull Swan Cup interview. They asked him who the, the best player he's ever played against. And he said, Will Weston. I was watching that Baragoon competition. The, it was on Facebook. It was 
you know, really hard because they were just in the middle and they had a little camera going back and forth. So you couldn't necessarily, you know, a ton of dust and all that. But I did see Will Weston release a ball from, ha- you know, midfield to the line, a direct pass right on, you know, that sort of stuff is exciting. And he's sort of a representative of change while still being, you know, he's one of the top players in the world and he's releasing the ball sooner. And so that's just mm. super exciting pull across. And if, if you're, like you said, if you're not keeping up with that, then you're going to be left behind. And so it, it's sort of exciting all the different things that are happening this year, you know, how the game's changing and how countries are, are you know, different clubs are adapting to that. Um, so there'll be a lot of good pull across going on this year. So I just, I, I'm just curious as, you know, how much of it can we have live streaming, even if it's not super high quality, like world cup, uh, but how much can we actually, the rest of the world be watching the spectacle? Yeah. Well, for me, yeah, at the moment, I'm any snippet of polocross I can find, I'm watching because I love polocross and I love watching polocross and playing polocross. At the moment, over the last, you know, 12 months, 14 months, I haven't, there hasn't been much actual polocross. It's been, we've played a lot at home and that's the thing. There's not been actual polocross going on. So I'm excited to see whatever I can. Um, so yeah, I agree with you. So if we can, if anyone out there is actually listening and got a video camera, just keep going. I mean, we, we've got a we've got a, a group chat with the uh, New Zealanders, most New Zealanders, a couple of UK people, and myself it's with that Rogan Rockwood. Bro, I don't know. That's oh, whatever the tournament they were playing last last week. Yeah, um, I can look it up on the calendar here. Let's see. Yeah, New Zealand, uh, right here. Can we say the word? Can we pronounce it though? It's I definitely can't. Kakatahi Katiki. Yeah, whatever tournament it was. <laughs> and um. Like Jad Richardson and Jack and then they were playing and I in the group chat at us. I was like, please, can someone just send messages and videos so I can, you can I know what's going on. I can actually watch a little bit of polycross. So yeah, but yeah, just as much as like geez, I just want to watch polycross now. I'm tired of we're talking about the day. I'm, I'm I mean it's such a small part, but it's for me it's quite a big part of the social. I can't wait to see more than five people. Yes. I mean last weekend we, we were like kids that got let out of Toys R Us. We uh, <laughs> there was like more than 10 adults in one place. <laughs> Found a couple of drinks and I was out for a while. So it was, it was, you know, it was the first semi-protocols party we've had in, in ages. And it was, yeah, I can't wait. Frothing for it. Yeah, you can't wait to be having a drink in your hand, trying to dance and it's spilling all on your shirt and, yeah. you know, and feeling a little sick in the morning. I'm not encouraging that, but that's going to be happening probably more often than before. Because people are really missing that social aspect. Oh, geez. I just oh, I can't wait to be completely incoherent. I mean, people can't understand me in the face of that. And see, I've got about three brandies in me. I'm useless. Oh, I mean, my part there, I joke, but it's actually part of because it's what I've realized. Like, you don't realize how much of your life it takes up until mm. you're not there. Um, and you, you don't realize how much of that people in the part of are. Like a, essentially, your best mates spend every weekend with them for eight months of the year. Yeah. Um, you don't see them for a year and a half. And it's a, I mean, with Chelsea McDonald and Josh Drew, it came up last week, like I said, and the last time we saw each other was at the High Goal in 2019. It's a, you know, almost two years now. It'd be just absolute madness. If you multiply that by a lot more years, I took a break in 2012. I was trying to grow up and, uh, you know, take more responsibility and just... That was your first mistake, okay? So I took a break from 2000, 
12 to 2018 was my first year back, maybe 17. No, probably 18. And I had a lot of apologizing to do to friends because, you know, they, I missed them. Um, I really missed Polo Cross. It was so hard to watch the 2015 World Cup go by to not really be a part of 2019 World Cup. So I'm so glad to be back in it. But it's like I've missed, you know, some of the that those few years of so much change. And so I'm just trying to catch up, you know, just to be relevant in my own country and uh, and, and catch up to some of these young young blokes that are playing right now. I do have this question, you know, speaking of that, and, and uh, the bomber people are really the most famous for the trick stick, right? The, yeah, the, 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 the tricks, the you know, doing, and all, yeah. yeah, juggling, things you can do with a pull across racket um, around your body. Very, it's very cool. And I, I just wonder how much that translates to good pull across. And, and the reason I say this is, Jane on the podcast said, I was never a big fan of trick stick stuff because I couldn't ever do it. And she's one of the top players in the world. So she's an example yeah. of someone that can get away with, you know, that got away with not doing it. And so my question is, does all these trick stick things, even if you're 10 feet from a, a throwback net, does that translate to a 30 yard direct pass? Does that translate to, you know, shooting a goal at a hard angle? You know, as an old folk, as an old person, should I be focusing on being able to do some of these little trick stick things? Or yeah, definitely. So for me, I think you can't throw a goal until you've managed to pick up the ball. Until you've fished it, you can't throw a goal. And if you can't throw a 50-meter pass until you've picked, up, picked it up. So, and that's what those tricks are for. Like you, 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 even, like I mean, last weekend, you're watching kids doing it. And Bruce is quite a big one on snatching the ball. So... You know, we always got told sort of watch the ball into your racket and be nice and smooth. And, and he, he's got a very different idea. Slap the ball. And because when the ball's down, like bounces up in front of you, chances of you, if someone slaps it and can effectively slap it and get the ball to stick, he's going to catch it nine times out of 10 in front of you. Right. Um, so those little tricks like, oh, you know, that one where you come around and you drop it by your knee and you swing a racket around and grab it again. This works on your, on your, on your hand eye coordination. It works on, Getting the ball to stick to, you know, under pressure when, the, when you hit the ball and sticks in your racket at the skill on its own, and then you know, throwing the ball at funny angles and again around your body, it just it improves your your, your fluency of the racket, and that's I think that's where you're gonna that's where you're gonna improve. Not necessarily throwing it at a at a goal or you know passing it. That 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 comes later, but you can't you can't throw a goal until you pick up a ball. Um, right. So it's, but, yeah. it's working on your peripheral vision and yeah, the I mean, ball. Yeah. You know, your hand-eye coordination is a big one. Your, your, the muscle memory that it takes to, when you slap a ball and it sticks in your racket, that just doesn't, like, it takes you a while to get the fear of it. It's, it's not picking up a ball and cradling. It's, it's whack into the back of your racket and hope, hope it sticks. When you're growing up and you're trying to make it look cool, you probably miss the first 60. But then it starts, it starts sticking a little bit more, and you understand how your the, how your net works, and it's. I think it's important. Uh, I, I mean, growing up, you, you always hear the, the old buggers, you know. Yeah, I used to do it warming up behind behind the goals and trying to you know, do random things, and they always say to me, "Oh, you'll never do that on a horse." Mm, probably not, but I can do it. So, <laughs> yeah. So it's 
what damage is it doing? I was taught when you're when you're doing a pickup that you turn your racket you you turn your racket underneath the ball and try to pick it up. That way, if you miss it, it will go forward. But it sounds like it might be taught more often to snap snatch it. So you're not wait you're not it's not like falling into your racket. You're making it go into your racket in a quicker way. And Jane Marriott even said that what the Aussies need to work on is, is the groundwork, getting it off the ground quicker, uh, being yeah. faster on the ball. I just want, you know, and I, I always go back to this Gavin Cocker uh, in the World Cup. I'm against him as a two, and he, he, re- he swings down in the lineup to catch the ball. And you're thinking, what the, you know, that's, that's a penalty. Well, no, yeah. he's, just, he's just trying to snatch the ball. You feel like you're being, you know, you know taken advantage of. But no, he's just being quick on the ball. Of course, he didn't get yeah. called for down hitting me. But, but no, yeah, it, yeah. There, there's this another level where, um, I don't know, we just need to encourage more stick work, some drills, some challenges that I'm not going to lead. But um, I don't know who's going to be that spokesperson for trick sticks. And here's my challenge. You know, when I play pole across, I think of, I always want to be like a Mikey because I hold my racket at the end. Okay, and this is weird because most people are used to choking up, long handle. I'm holding my racket at the end so I can reach out further, catch the ball. You know, when you're trying to get it off of me, I swing forward and it's way up there or it's back here. And so I'm used to that. So I probably need to choke up a little bit more and be able to do some overarms on a shorter racket. So I'm just in this awkward phase, but I just wonder what you thought about that. Do you ever hold your racket at the end? Yeah, when I'm picking the ball up, yeah, apart from that, I really, oh, I don't know, like it's, I'd like to say I'm, I'm pretty good at shortening a racket and having more control over it, but I'm, I, it's hard to say. It's definitely something I try, especially like with my brother and sister, my brother more certainly my sister, but he, he picks a ball up and then hangs it on the, the bottom of his racket and hangs it really low and then sort of carries it around like he's a chimpanzee. You know, he's, he's 16 years old, I was probably the same as 16 years old, you you look much cooler when you, you look like you don't care. So it's, um it's like, that's the thing is, yeah, I'd like to say I'm pretty good about shortening my record. I just feel like I've got way more control when I'm holding it with yeah. the racket maker designed to to hold it. There's a quite a, there was not necessarily so much anymore, but 2011 up to probably 2017, there was quite a, and actually Donnie's that still got it. He still had rides over it, but their rackets handle goes all the way up to the top. Um, Almost like five, maybe maybe five centimeters away from the from the tape at the bottom of the head, mm. um, and they he rides it like that. I don't know. I don't think he carries it all the way up there, but he he's under the impression I think it makes it makes the actual shaft a little bit stiffer and a little bit more true. And you know, like when you throw like if it, with a whippy stick, it, it, sometimes if you throw it too hard, it gets left behind a little bit. And if it, you know you don't throw it hard enough, it, it comes a little bit forward. On a, on a stiff racket, it's just it's always consistent. So that's I think that's his theory. But I don't think he holds it there. I think he holds it a little bit further down. Three quarters of the way, I think your, your sweet spot, you can get away with it. Right. Um, I don't know. Look, I'm not, I'm, I'll never claim to be a stick work expert. I'm, I'm proficient at best. Yeah, I think you, you definitely have more control if you shorten your racket. You just have the balls lighter um, and you can move around a bit better. If you're holding your racket at the bottom, like you said, and you move your, your body all the way forward to try to get out of out of a swing, he has the same amount to work with. If he's going to hit you on the arm, he's going to hit you on the arm anyway. But if you're holding the racket further up, he's just got 30 centimeters more room to hit. I have to make fun of Raul, which is something I do. It's a theme of the podcast. 
Yeah, me um, too. So I'm, think, I'm thinking if you choke up on the racket, it's closer to the head. Um, he already has Tyrannosaurus Rex arms. <laughs> so is that why he has to have the sleeve with the elbow pad? Oh, it must be. Do you have to be a seven or higher in your country to be able to pull that off? Is that why they're getting hit in the arm more? Uh, when, I'm oh. holding, when I'm holding it at the end and they try to hit my racket, it's heavier because I'm holding it at the end, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. So I don't know. What do you think about Raul? I mean, you got Damian Harris, uh, who's got shorter arms. Uh, what do you think about that? Does it encourage getting hit in the arm? What, the arm guard? Yeah. Well, I've got one. Um, I'll play with it when I'm, when I'm feel like I might get touched up a little bit. But <laughs> going back, like, uh, it's going back to my, my teenagers when I was watching part of and I was trying to learn it instead of just being there. Mikey Cranor had the had the arm guard and you know, yeah, the, um, the the face guard and the he had all the kit and it just made me feel safe. You know, you you're going in and you like, oh fuck me, you got Mikey's good, and he you know, he that, that just stuck with you. So if you, you see a one with sunnies on and a, a arm guard, you're like, he has he has to be tempted. There's no way he's gonna be shut. Um, so I I think so. I think uh, there's a there's a massive insurgence now in South African protocols with juniors doing it. You see a lot of you know, a lot of them wearing the sunglasses, the checky checky back sunglasses um, that came from from Graham. Graham's always worn them. Yeah. So also, I think are really good things. Like Mikey should have rib and armpit pads because no one's ever going to hit his actual arm. No, no, it's 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 definitely there to look good, and uh, and he does it so well. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell him not to do it because Christ, he, he like I said, it makes me feel safe. Um, just got to take me back. I'm happy. Well, so we need we need to get more arm, uh, more arm. What do you call him again? What do you what would you call the uh, other guards? Arm guards? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think that. Yeah. Is that a polo thing? Um, I think it's probably the the, the initial sort of coming uh, coming into polo cross. I think it probably came from from polo. Uh, make, the ones that we use, well, the ones that I've got are all motocross. Uh, oh. um, I think most of them are motocross ones. Yeah, they've got that hard gel. The polo ones are quite expensive, those Casablanca ones. So they're, they're hard, like they're soft and, and malleable, but when they get hit by the ball, they're, they're hard enough as they get hit. Mm. Um, so I don't know, it's very clever. I don't know what, what sorcery they're using there, but they, they, they manage to get it right. Those are quite, quite pricey, but I think they are. Probably better than the motocross ones in terms of restricting your arm. Graham, Graham's one, the basketball one, I think, if I'm not mistaken. It's like a, a sleeve almost, like a like second skin sort of pad on his elbow. I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I like the I like the motocross ones a little bit better as well because if you do get in a tussle and you, it gives you a slight, slight edge on the person that's not wearing plastic <laughs> on his elbow. And, you know, we probably need to get more Australians into this to, you know, keep up with the Africans. The Africans did beat you in that match in 2017 where we can't find the tapes. I'm Zimbabwe and Ryan. You keep saying you like I'm South Africa. <laughs> well, you're in South Africa. You you talk about Bruce all the time. So yeah, no, I, I just I, thought... no, fair enough. Yeah, um, yeah, that is dodgy, though, because I'm sure I saw an advert for the World Cup and they used videos from uh, from that test. I, yeah. I could be wrong there. Yeah. Well, well, no. But speaking speaking of uh, protection, I still wear a face mask. Yeah. Because I have good teeth, and I am married. I don't really need to wear a face mask, but it makes a noise when someone hits it, even if it's my own racket or something. Yeah. Um, I do wear knee pads. Um, I'm not too proud for that. I'm not too cool for school for that. Um, I still think that knee pads are not widely used in Australia. Um, I would get all sorts of bruising on my shins. I mean, that was always an issue. So. 
I'm not, uh, I'm not against wearing personal protection equipment. I was just curious about the arm, the arm thing. Um, and I do want to point out though, that who else other than uh, Mikey has this signature bounce into the area where they just drop it and pick it up and it's down. It's like five inches off the ground. Instead I don't think he was tall enough. Yeah. Uh, realistically, I think he's, he has got a, a jump on people because it's not that far to the ground. Yeah. Um, when he does drop the ball, he has got more more time. But again, like it's a it's a thing that I've yeah. Growing up, all our, our sort of my sort of generation tried to do it, and I reckon we we missed out on eighty percent of the goals because we just didn't have the skill set or the the reach um, yeah. to get to. But yeah, I, I like it. Again, maybe feel safe. Just yeah. but, uh, oh, so. I'm happy for him to do it. I'm, I'm not going to try for a variety of reasons, but it's uh, I'm just not as tall as him. Probably not as flexible. So, well, looking rooster. So to sort of finish this conversation, who are the top stick work people in Africa in the world that you can point to? Uh, they're probably not making enough cool videos for TikTok, but who are those people that you hold up in high regard that just sort of amaze you in certain ways? Um. Well, on, on a horse or off horse? Let's start off on the ground. And then, you know, those that convert it to, you know, playing, that's another level. But on the ground, trick stick work. Um, so years years ago, Terence Keith, when he, he lived in Peter Mar- he's a Zimbabwean guy, and he, he lived in Peter Marysburg for Varsity. And then I think he stayed on a bit after. And he worked for, for Bomber. And um, he was there when this, the trick stick got developed. And he actually made a video, put it on YouTube. It's still there, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, of the trick stick and him messing around with it, he was pretty. He's pretty clever with the, the particles racket, um, and he's yeah, oh, he's he's got very very good stick work. But yeah, again, like it's why well, Nessie tries that on the horse, but it it looks cool. Uh, <laughs> you, uh, you like to see it, and it, it 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 probably does improve your hand-eye coordination. That's the thing. Yeah, I think stick work. Oh, in, in Africa alone. Yeah. Um, I think be, you'll you'll struggle to go past Yanni. Not necessarily the flashiest player, but he's. He, He's probably caught more interceptions as a three than anyone else I've ever seen in my entire life. He's uh, always in the right position. And he just seems to hang his racket up and wait for the ball and they just throw it into him. Um, yeah. So it makes it look very easy, but it's probably taken years and years of practice. It probably has um, something to do with polo, too. It could be, or holding a racket up. Well, no, just being quick <laughs> to the ball, you know, the racket. Yeah, hand. no, it could be. I think he's also a talented sportsman in general. He's had, he's had really good rugby and good squash I think mm-hmm. I think it's just a natural ball awareness and that slap I'm talking about you, you're going to struggle to get better than than Travis Tim he's very very good at it um, the ball in the air um, and that, I mean at the back of the line it's invaluable because of the you know you, you, you've turned your horse out and you're trying to get away and the, the ball's there for half a second and it's like a, a swipe at it instead of a, a controlled catch like if, you, if you've got the time to watch it as you're rapid then that's one thing but if it's you know, just out of the corner eye, and you take a, a, a dip at it, and it sticks. It's you know, if it sticks three out of four times, it's three goals that you you, you don't deserve, and you, you you put them through. So it's, it does help a lot. Damien Harris, I can't remember a time I think he's missed the ball out the back of the lineout. Yeah, um, freak. Yeah, yeah, he's he's yeah, unbelievable out the back of the lineout. And then, geez, I, I don't think you'll agree with me because he, he never agrees with me when I say this, but Donnie Swan is probably one of the most. Or I think he's one of the most complete polo cross players. Yeah, you know, he's he's got everything. He can he rides nicely. He's got you know he's 
his stick work is unreal. And the line art, he's, as a number one, he's got this almost like a, especially sticks out, he turns his horse's head slightly in and he's got, a, I don't know where he gets it, but like another three inches of reach and he managed to take it out of the umpire's hands. Um, so it's, it's unbelievable. He's, he's very, very good. Yeah, I don't know, there's lots, all those boys at the top, all the, you know, if you're playing Adivision in, in Africa and South Africa or Zimbabwe or playing a reasonably high level of polycross in Africa, you, your stick work is, is important. It's like, you know, it's uh, the whole argument is, Australia is playing a, a horse sport with a ball and we're playing a sport, uh, ball sport with a horse. It defines it. You have to be good on the ball. You have to be good with your record. So basically what I'm hearing, I mean, if we look at number twos, which are rarely talked about, uh, Travis Tim would be your best two in the world because of his racket work. Well, yeah. What are you talking in terms of, yeah, I mean, I do think he's probably the best in the world, um, or if not close to but I, I think there's more to his game. I think he's, he, yeah. he sets himself up very nice and he's, he relies very nicely. But, I mean, if you're talking, I, I'd be, you're asking this Africa, but, yeah, and there's, there's a few players in the world that I'd, I'd put in all time uh, over, over over the last 20 years of podcasts that I've been watching or I've been cognitively watching. Gavin Cocky is very difficult to beat it too. Mm. Um, and, and uh, but, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's a very difficult question to answer because you, there's so many people that are that are, are so good with rackets, and at, you know, there's it, definitely a shift now. Like, it's horsemanship is such a big part of it that now you have to be you have to be complete. You have to be like Jimmy. Jimmy's very good at now. His stick work's unbelievable. He's always obviously going to be a very good rider. So he's close to a complete polycross player. You know, he is the best in the world. Graham rides very nicely. He's got very good stick work. He's complete part of us that are going to struggle to beat them. Right. So it's, I mean, I'm going to try, but you, <laughs> yeah, you, you're going to struggle to beat that. I don't really understand the question in terms of, if you're asking who's got the best stick work in the world, it's, it's probably going to be an African. Yeah. Um, but if you're asking who's the best player in the world, there's a few players. Right. Yeah. You know, that are very difficult to look, at, look over. You'd have to sit down for, it would take me hours to work out who I thought the best player in the world. So are you willing to, to announce here on the podcast that Jimmy Grills could be top five, even though he's not African. No, hundred percent. I don't. He's, I don't, he's definitely top. You know, he's way higher than top five. Okay. I'd say he's probably on going on on the World Cup and possibly the high goal last year. He probably is the best in the world. He's um he's an unbelievable player. He's I mean like a really good bloke as well. But he's he is the best player, player in the world at the moment. I think. Like, I mean, obviously Graham's. Graham's got a, a good match on and chatting them. And it's yeah, even before the 2019 World Cup, 2019, yeah, 2019 World Cup, and he won in 2015, the best player, whatever it is. It's quite a, it is quite a, quite a heavy burden, I think, to, to have on your shoulders as going into the next World Cup as the incumbent right. best player, best man in the world. Even to be a top 10 is, is crazy. And it seems like, like with Yanni and, and, and that crew, that, uh, Charles Duplessis was a big influence. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And right now, if you can just get any time with Bruce, who's super eager, super, you know, just the ambassador of Polo Cross, you just can't beat it. What is the formula to take that next level for you if, if you're trying to become a better Polo Cross player? Is it just being around Bruce? Uh, what else would you say? Like, I'm, obviously, fitness is the thing that's led me down over the years. If, I, you know, if I'm 
committed to it, which I am. I'm, you know, you just make, you make a decision and you say, oh, I'm, I'm going to be committed to getting fit. That's that's going to be my biggest thing. Then playing, I think, in uh, in Africa, playing top-level polycross, getting exposure to it on a regular basis. Because if you, with respect to other countries all over the world, not just in Africa, but all over the world, South Africa's top-level polycross and Australia's top-level polycross are streaks ahead. Uh, they've, they've got numbers and, and, and very, very good players and you can play good, uh, high-level polycross often. So like the like now South Africa set up this church and if, you, if you're playing high-level polycross, and I, I can be, I've spoken, uh, I speak very highly of Bruce and I, I, I get a bit of flack for it back home because it sounds like a bit of a fanboy, but he's the best coach in the world. He's, 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 you can't get away from it. And any advice that he does give you, if you, you'd be stupid to not take the both hands and, and run with it. I love being involved and he, he came to Zim and did a junior coaching clinic there and I was a sort of assisted him. And I just sat there and sponged up as much as I, I possibly could. Uh, for, just from the junior stuff. I and mean, his, his theory is that polycross is the same from under 13s and 14s to World Cup level. It's the same game. You should be playing the same game. But you just obviously adapt it slightly to your level. Yeah, I don't think it is a massive thing. If you if you want to improve your polycross, you play with better players and you play with good coaches and you, it can only help you. Playing, like I said, playing top-level polycross is a key. If you want to play World Cup, you have to play proper polycross. You can't mess around with, uh, you know, on farm chuckers week in and week out and get to a selection tournament and expect to shine. I think it's different in every country. So that's been now... So have a look at players with horses because you're going into into a massive tournament where I, I'd be lying, I can't remember the numbers, but you have to put in a ridiculous amount of horses to 16. Thanks, love. I actually 16. had 16. I had 16 in my mind. So yeah. I already, yeah, if you're going to be, yeah, at the World Cup. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah, 16 horses is is one thing and then 16 proficient horses is another. You, you have to remember that you're going to pools and you might draw that horse. So it doesn't help you putting in lightning that's best horse you've ever and then going to the race track and buying something with Thunder Round and saying, oh, I'll put that thing in as well. Because you might get all the Joe Vlogs that doesn't they get out of a trot. So you have to you have to look at people that have got a number of horses um, and a number of good horses. So I think that's where some people are going to maybe maybe struggle to, mm. to meet the criteria. I mean, you can yeah. always big burn steel. But you get a little bit of flack for talking about Bruce. And back in the day, for me, it was the people that followed Joy Poole at Maitland in Australia. They were called Joy Boys. Robbie, yeah. was, Robbie was called a Joy Boy. Certain people just wouldn't admit that they were Joy Boys. But she was the top coach you know, that I'd ever come across. Don't worry about getting flack from people. They're just jealous. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Playing top pole across. I would imagine it's definitely not here, not like that here in the States, but with what Bruce is doing with the, un, with the kids, you're just trying to get as much top level polo cross as you can get in before these kids grow up <laughs> and play oh, great yeah, geez. because Jesus, they're going to be so phenomenal starting no. that young. Yeah, no, you, I, I, yeah. I get there. I often, if I'm there for the weekend, I let the kids' horses out their camps and let them, like chase them. So in the morning they're late. Um, and then I jump on for their chuckers because they're, they're playing much better politics than me. There's, you know, there's some kids there now, and I say kids, actually, a lot of them are growing up to be, you know, very nice. Uh, they're still young people, but there are some kids. Lolly Haynes, I think, is the best junior politics player I've ever seen in my entire life. She is an absolute freak. And then you get like 
Josh Larue, I was going to ask you, he's not a kid anymore. He's, um, he's a young man and he's, I think he's probably 19. He's a freak as well. So yeah, you get those kids and you, you don't really get a look in. So you, you have to do something. Right. Rock, them in, rock them in stables or <laughs> pick their horse's knees so they lay them. So you have to do something to try to get a hit. Um, but it is, it, you do, yeah, then call the joy boys. Joy boys, one thing that did. You just be, you'd be dumb to not take an opportunity. Like, Bruce, uh, yeah, I get a very wild Bruce in general, but I think he's he's probably helped my putt across a hell of a lot in the last three years. Just phone calls and, like, if I'm struggling with something on a horse, I'll phone him and say, this is what, you know, yeah. I'm struggling with this. He fixed the horse of mine with that, that junior classic, oh, that junior, not junior classic, that junior camp that he came to Zim. I said to him, I've got this really talented young horse, but I'm scared of everything. So he said, no, I'll get on it. So I jumped on it and I was expecting him to make me ride around in circles. And he said, just umpire it. And I umpired that horse all day for three days. And by the end of it, it was just so, oh, horses could run around it and its ears were sideways like a donkey. I don't know if it was because it was tired or what it had finally got used to the horses. But he is he's also one of the most phenomenal horsemen and understands the way horses think. So I... I think you'd be stupid to get at what he says. And then there are there's, there's a few people that will, um, and there's a few people that will that disagree with me previously. Uh, I know who they are, but they, I mean, they're entitled to their opinion, and if they don't agree with all he does think that's that's also fine. Um, the trick to being in any, well, any team in the world, if you're not, especially if you're not playing for South Africa, if you're playing for any other country but South Africa, you have to be flexible. And the fact that I might agree with Bruce, but my, the coach I'm playing for might think differently. And I've just got to, I'm going to cop it and, and play what my coach wants to play. I'm probably pushing an agenda here, but the, it's, I just think Bruce is unbelievable. And yeah, I'm taking on what he said. And I think he's helped me a lot in the last couple of years. He said he sold me a really good horse for way less than I was worth. So that's, that's helped me a little bit as well. It's almost like, I mean, you think about the grills and you think about Lance Anderson, all these players that came over and played and all these high goals, that was probably the, the X factor which helped them win the World Cup. Obviously, their influence with uh, the grills with Bruce and the exposure to the African game had a huge impact on those players. I can't think mm-hmm. of a player on the Aussie team that hadn't come and played in a high goal. Was there one on the team that hadn't come and played in a high goal? Did Abbott play in a high goal? Next stuff. Yeah, he played in one of the high goals. Um, so, so you think about it. And I've, I've been on an Aussie podcast for the last few times. I love the Aussies. But the challenge ahead of them to play in South Africa at a World Cup, I know that you guys want the most competition. I mean, I'm say you guys, you're Zimbabwean. But <laughs> yeah. you want the most competition you can get. You want to have a good World Cup. They're going to need to get to those high goals. And you are the gatekeepers for the high goals. So let's say, you know, if you shut them out for the next couple of years, I'm not saying you're going to do that. Think about the, mm-hmm. advan- the advantage that you'd have on your own horses. Not that you need it, but it's just crazy to think. It's just a huge challenge to the Australians is, is what I'm saying. Um, I think if it, I, I think realis- uh, realistically you can't shut them out because they are such a draw. So yeah. it's, it's nice to have that level of pilot cross and they do bring a caliber that you, you won't find anywhere. So right. you've got the caliber that's really high. You've got other players in – shorter numbers that are really good and they, they come and they bring the caliber as well. And then you get a mass number from Australia that also are obviously quality. You got Lance Anderson and, and the Grillses and yeah. that whole and we and Will Weston is another one that I didn't mention, but is probably one of the best in the world. And they do bring that caliber. So it's it's difficult to to say you can't bring them because 
you know, then you can't really advertise it as the best podcast in the world. So that's one way I'm looking at it. But yeah, I mean, it is, it's definitely, if, if it was me, if I was coaching slash side, I wouldn't allow an incoming tour for the next year. I would not allow it. I would phone, I'd phone all the embassies and tell them fucking not a one Australian must come into the country. I heard there was a, a New Zealand tour and a UK tour that were maybe coming to South Africa. But I just cannot, I cannot fathom the, what, they, what they might be thinking. Right? You, New Zealand traditionally is a bogey game for South Africa. They've, they've turned South Africa up, upside down a few times at World Cups. Yeah. So you, why would you give them any more preparation than you could possibly hold them back to? You know, yeah. wow, I, just, I don't understand it. But it hasn't worked out because of Corona. So one thing, one good thing has come out of it. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, it would be nice to have a drink with JR and then, but yeah, I just, I wouldn't, this doesn't make sense to me. Well, Jason Webb talked about at, at a high goal, he walks around the corner and all the Bruce McClarty horse team, you know, team horses are on a drip. And, you know, he's like, well, what, you know, he's just thinking at the next level. So is he thinking, is he going to go with like hypnotism, mental <laughs> thing? I mean, is he going to have like a team of juniors that have been like living in a certain mental state where the, you know, I don't know. Who knows what he's got up his sleeve, but it's very, uh, he's always got something up his sleeve. Bruce is a, he's a, he's a very clever man when it comes to podcasts. And he, as much as you can have a laugh with him and joke with him, he's, he's always got a plan and what makes him so good. So yeah, I, I can't speak about the, the trips and stuff. I don't, I don't, I can see that. So I don't know what he is. I can't imagine Bruce doing anything dodgy because he's a, he's a very well, good horseman. No, he it, put his yeah, it's all better for the game. I'm not saying there's yeah, anything yeah, shady going on. Uh, I'm yeah. just saying that, yeah, he's he's just taking it to the next level. I mean, the horses are uh, getting, yeah, mas- horses getting he's, massages. Um, and He's managed to, even in terms of managing players, he's taken it to another level in, in professionalism. So his play, I mean, he's, as far as I know, I might be wrong here. Maybe Australia, but they South Africa's only team that travels with a psychologist. I might I might be wrong here. I'm Sanjay, but he was definitely the first to bring a psychologist into the game. So yeah, I mean that's that's a massive uh, for me. It's a massive step because that's my background as a in psychology. So oh really? Yeah, I didn't I didn't didn't go all the way through it. I got one degree in psychology, but then I went on to the educational therapy and so that interests me still I, can't, I like the, the the thought process that he's he's going to get the best out of his players if they're in a good headspace which is true because high goal definitely but World Cup is probably on another level mentally high goal is a hard tournament but it's I don't there's a lot more for me there's a lot more emotion in it like you're playing for a country is a proud moment you, you, that for me is like you, whenever I play for Zimbabwe it's my it's my favorite moment it's very it is very emotional and it's kind of it does take a tax on you especially like the world cup is you know when we played in 2015 it was two weeks of polar cross essentially and you live and breathe and you sleep polar cross and it does take on thursday after the first weekend you start you know your, your mind's not not 100 percent and you little things are creeping and if you have a psychologist and you go and say hey listen i'm struggling with x y and z and they can sort your head out oh just a no, I mean, I'm I'm glad for him. I'm glad for the sport that he's, he thought about it because I think I'd probably suggest that if I made the next World Cup, is depending on costs and stuff, obviously. But uh, I would suggest a psychologist or some or, or mental 
health professional of some sort to talk to us, especially yeah. us. What's that movie with Matt Damon? He's like, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> Thanks, love. <laughs> She's awesome. Vicky should just be on the podcast. She's probably. I'm uh, telling you. <laughs> we need to have a, a girls chat where she can complain about you a little bit <laughs> don't give her any uh, any encouragement please <laughs> so like <laughs> i'm sure there's some players that need a little bit of that where they've got some baggage yeah and definitely. just that help with their recovery there's probably some psychedelics that we can get players involved with with mushrooms in a controlled environment <laughs> <laughs> hallucinogens <laughs> there's yeah. a whole other level that i i can't even fathom yeah. i mean the aussies have the institute of sport they have access to psychologists the mental game uh, if you try to get a hold of any of their documentation you're never going to get it because it's all through the government it's locking on safe for those types right so it's a huge yeah. advantage i don't know if that, if that happens at all in south africa it may not be that organized but we don't have that in the States. We don't have any committee or any anyone that's helping us in that regard. That's such a huge part of the game. And Jane and, and Lucy, when I had them on the podcast, they were talking about that <laughs> men the mental side of the game and just being able to recover, uh, being in the moment. Uh, for, you know, Jimmy talked about performing at those key moments when you have to be ready to perform. There's so much of that that needs to be explored in the pole cross realm. Once we take it past the level of, being able to play on a Sunday morning with a hangover, which is what it used to be, right? And in Australia, when they had the electric tape, it was try not to run in the electric tape when you're trying to get back to your swag. But to take it to the next level, it's okay. <laughs> I might have one or two drinks and I drank just as much water on Saturday night and I'm ready to perform and I'm going to keep it positive. I'm not going to fold under pressure. There's just all this exciting stuff that should be happening in polo cross. And so whoever can take that on would just really help the sport. And it seems like Bruce is going that direction. Yeah, I know he definitely is. And he's, he, yeah, he's very good. But I mean, just to going to touch on that, on the drinking part of things, obviously, I don't know, I don't know if you know, but I'm a little bit notorious in South Africa about having one or two many drinks on, on a Saturday. But it's <laughs> like, no, it's a sign people that I'm paying. I mean, I'm, it's starting to come to my money. So I'm paying for polo crosses. I'm spending a lot of money, uh, yeah. To go, essentially, I want to. I want aspiration on my podcast. I'm wasting it if I'm being fucking dumb, getting stupid right. on a Saturday night, and then waking up on Saturday and not being able to ride a horse. It comes. I, I mean, I'm also having fun. Jesus, go go do it. But when it comes to, I think if you're going to play a good podcast, you know, if you're going to have fun at, at at tournaments, do it. And that's either odd tournaments for that. But then it comes to your bigger tournaments where you're coming to. Serious part of course. If you want to, have, if you want to do well, if you've got aspirations of being good, then you have to sort of commit to that a little bit as well. Right. Um, so by no means, Ryan, please don't take this as me saying I'm not drinking a part of course because uh, that is by no stretch of imagination the truth. That's but, your brand. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, I've, I've created, I've created a <laughs> reputation. I need that part, but they, they, I do need. Like, you need to be. Like when it comes to big podcasts and when it comes to me wanting to excel or do well at on the particular weekends, I, you know, especially when it's your money and you're spending money to go travel and you're spending money on horses and you're spending time and putting your own effort into into it and you're making sacrifices to that sport that you love and do it properly, but also have fun. It's, it's a maturity level. In 2000, I was at the Bunning Carnival in Australia and 
the announcer was talking on Sunday morning about how the guy who was playing had shit himself. Um, I'm sorry, had <laughs> had uh, had lost, you know, lost his, uh, you know, had, had gone in his pants. You know, one of my mother's. I wrote my book. I do have a book called Champion: How to Be. Come, you know, how, to be, how to be a great polo cross player and the controversial chapter is party or not to party that's the question so drinking to excess is different than having a couple drinks uh, one of my mother's uh, most uh, disappointing things is that party a little too hard you know my 20s and uh, yeah finally grew up in my 30s I'm much I have a much different approach to the game so that's a whole different thing if we could just have alcoholics anonymous coach to be on a podcast talk about it <laughs> um, or have anyone to talk about drinking and polo cross. I mean, that's a whole other scab to open up. Uh, I think it's, it's important. I mean, it's, it's when I say it's important, I don't mean that uh, you need to stop <laughs> drinking. I'm saying it's it's a massive part. The social side of polo cross is, 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 is huge. So it's cheaper. I'm not, I'll never tell anyone don't drink a polo cross and I'll never not drink a polo cross. It's not like I'm going to become a teetotaler to, to make a World Cup tap. But like if I'm going into a big final on a Sunday, I'm not going to go get retired or probably can't say that word. I'm not going to get stupid and become an idiot and not be able to perform. But I'm not also not just letting myself down. I'm letting either two or five other people down plus coach plus their parents and, you know, the, the, taking the time and putting the effort into play part of cross and I'm running a weekend because I'm being a moron. That's not, it's not ideal. Again, I will never not drink a polycross. It's not going to, that's not going to be the, the case. I'm still going to have big bodies. If you're a big fish in a little pond, like, like here in the states, it used to be you could get away with it. You yeah, could still, you could still win on a Sunday morning, but that does just not the same anymore, uh, especially for me. Yeah, I'll have a couple drinks, but I won't be playing like flip cup. Maybe some crocodile races because that's more about you know being yeah. strong. That's actually balance. pretty much training. That's training. Yeah, yeah, um, no, crocodile no, races. Exactly <laughs> but flip cup, it's just a re- recipe for drinking because. Every time you flip the yeah. drink, you have to flip the cup. You drink, and then you get worse. Yeah, and yeah. then beer pong, it, over here in the States, we had adapted it where you're throwing into water, so you're just drinking whatever you have in your hand. Because I find if I'm having to drink all the beer that's in the cups, it's just a recipe for disaster. Yeah. But, oh, look, I love it. I do I do like a party, and I do like um, having fun and getting irresponsible. But it's, yeah, it's just, like I said, it depends on the, on the time. When I first got to varsity, that actually that first, I told you that first tournament I played, and I had to borrow my mate, my my mate's dad stuff. I borrowed Ross Beer because yeah, he's my he's my best mate now. But at the time we didn't get on real. Well, and I borrowed his horse, the horse that I ended up buying, another horse that I ended up buying. But that night on the Saturday, I'd organised with family friends. They'd or with Courtney Solomon, and they said, "No, listen, we we're staying in a hotel. Everyone in South Africa stays at hotels and at Potterclubs. And I was like, "Oh, okay, well that's fine. You know, in Zimbabwe we all camp, but whatever whatever works." They said, oh, well, can we just book your hotel room? So I said, yeah, that's, that's fine. Anyway, off they went to the, we got to the hotel and um, I didn't really think about it too much, but I put my stuff in there and they came and gave me the bill. And as a first year varsity student, I didn't, uh, couldn't quite, I couldn't afford it. <laughs> so I was like, sorting my tongue a little bit. And I got to the tournament and luckily there's another girl there that wanted to have a hotel room, but they didn't have any left. So I said to her, listen, you take my hotel room. Uh, you, I'll be a good okay. You just pay for it. You can, and you can have it. So I didn't have a tent or anything there. And I got, and I said to her, please, please bring my bags in the morning. When you come, just bring all my clothes and stuff so I can change. And we ended up having a massive party. And then, like eight of us ended up in a tent um, on the on the side of the field. 
and woke up in the morning and I didn't have my jeans on anymore. Mm. No, it was just a mess. And I, the bloke that woke up on the other side of the tent started chatting to me in Afrikaans. And I said, sorry, bugger. I'm, I'm very Zimbabwean. I don't speak any Afrikaans. And he said, oh, well, you, you could definitely speak Afrikaans last night. I called out and I said to Ratif's team camp, I got out with us and I said to him, fuck, do you have any jeans that I can borrow? And he said, only ones from yesterday. So I said, okay, bring them. But I put his jeans on, put Kevin Saul's boots on, ran, borrowed a helmet and a stick and dumped on for my first chucker because the lady didn't get that time. And these jeans were like two sizes too big for me because I don't even think they were his. I think they, you know, they and I was back then when I first got you from Boston. I was quite a skinny bugger. Um, I, <laughs> I was uh, got a pad in someone else's jeans that I didn't have a belt, so I had to pull him up between goals. It was a flipping mess. And, uh, that, that set the tone for my South African podcast career. So you had Steph Harris legs at the time? Did you have Steph Harris legs? Oh, no, not quite. Um, okay. No, no, not quite. I um, I yeah, I could still I could still balance on my own two legs. Um, <laughs> the, but yeah, that, uh, yeah, it was just very, it wasn't great. It wasn't a good look. Yeah. Um, and then well, the other thing is that so after people go home at lunchtime, finals at lunchtime on a Sunday, whereas from Zoom, you play the final at like four o'clock on a Sunday. And then everyone stays Sunday night and goes on Monday because it was all good. Yeah, everyone needs to get back to work and stuff. So, you know, on the way home, I phoned my mom today, just chatting. And she's like, how was your, how was your weekend? I did play. And I was like, I was, I was fucking good on Saturday. Um, very, <laughs> <laughs> that was where it ended. But yeah, geez, just an absolute mess of a weekend. And it hasn't got, hasn't got much better. Well, it's a lesson. I mean, we've been through the whole phase of, partying and and it's a social game you don't want to go away from that but there's a level where it's just too much and if you're trying to be a top player you just can't be that hungover and it's people it's probably someone like vicky that can you know speak some sense into you and say hey slow it down or is she sort of the instigator no no she's definitely not the instigator but she also not frightened to leave me there um one one occasion she comes and she's like i'm going home now you can come where you can stay and I think oh, she might disagree with me, but in, the, in more recent years, she's uh, I've, I've started coming home with her a bit more than saying. Um, in the early days, I was like, no, nah, sure, I don't make my own home. Well, um, it, and isn't yeah, it, it didn't work out for me often. Doesn't it throw in another factor of having like the big five animals there where like if you're really on not on your game, you might in, interact with one of these animals? I mean, does that throw in a whole? <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we, we don't. We don't go in contact with them that often. But it's, you know, geez, I have told horses in, in the past that if they if uh, if they don't go well on Sunday, they're stopping at the line park and, and it uh, often makes them a little bit. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, I, just, um, I appreciate you being honest about you know your experience. You know, I've I've had similar experiences, and you know they're my past, and I wouldn't you know wouldn't trade them for the world. But, you know, as a trying to be a top level player right now, it's just a whole different thing. It's just, I just can't do it. I also need to be a, uh, an example for the other players, the younger players. No, it is. It's exactly that. If you, if you want to be a role model to younger players, and, you know, like if I'm, I'm quite keen on it at the moment. Of my, one of my sort of ambitions for the next year or two years is getting involved with junior product crossings in Zimbabwe. There's a lot of, I think, there's a lot of talent in Zimbabwe ranks. There's, um, there's a lot of good young players. Definitely the next World Cup after that, they'll be that that's the crop and will come through and take over the ranks. They will that's that's where I want to, that's what I'm aiming for. Putting all my focus on at the moment is trying to get them 
up and running and, and playing good protocross. How would you compare the Zim versus Zam Jr.? Because that, that sounds very similar uh, to what Damien was talking about, how there's some really good young players coming about. Is Zambia a little bit ahead mm, of that? Yeah, I think we probably slightly, we, there, there's probably an age difference in that from like, our good players are probably 15 odd years old. And then there's a massive difference where there was actually no kids that came through um, just because there's there a lot of unreached and stuff I've seen in Zim and the, they just stopped playing. And then there was a massive insurgence. So I don't know what happened. There must be like a shortage of contraception and Zim. They had, a lot of, <laughs> had a lot of children got born. And um yeah, so but as far as I know, I don't know the Zambian children at all. So I can't, I can't speak to them. But as far as I can understand, just from listening to your podcast and chatting to, chatting to Zambians, and I see them, is an even distribution of kids the whole way through. So they probably are ahead of us on that. Whereas we, we've got some very, very good under fourteens, um, and then some good under sixteens, um, and then one or two under nineteens. But probably not enough to feel the a, a strong side in each in each age group. Realistically, yeah. oh yeah, I was gonna say the kids that I was gonna develop are talented, but there's, I think that'd be unfair judging in because there's a lot of kids there that probably aren't as good as the the front runners, but definitely can be um, with the right the the right exposure and the right horses and get, getting given the, the right opportunities. Mm. So I mean, I encourage, or whenever I'm home and I'm, I'm chatting to parents, I encourage them to send. Kids in South Africa, you know, send them to me if they give me a call and tell me uh, kids coming up to play in Moy River. Can you find them a horse? I'll, I, I'd like some pretty well contacted with people that have horses. I could probably find them a horse to play, you know, pass a horse and get them the exposure and see what's, see what's here because South Africa is miles ahead in terms of depth. And that's, yeah, that's where you want to be. That's where you want to, I think if you want your kids to excel in Africa, you need to expose them to, South African juniors right. again, like I mean, South Africa's <clears throat> in a similar position. Like, is Lolly Haynes? She's an, like I said, she's an absolute freak and she's miles ahead of everyone else. I uh, hear Ollie King's playing very good podcast. I haven't seen her for two years, but she was, she was very, very good when two years ago, and apparently, she's she's playing phenomenally now. So, they are very, they are they're very good. They're, those are your that top band, and then there's a drop, and then there's a mass insurgence that looks all very good, and then there's another drop, and then there's Kids that are family at the moment, but again, you never know. They get good horses or one. With kids, it's so hard because they, they they improve and and leaps and bounds over a month. So it's it's difficult to 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 judge them. So you can have a kid that's playing with a, a one handicap for a year and a half, and then something clicks in his brain. He gets a new horse or learns a, a new, something new about polycross or something's changed in his head, and he's, he can play polycross now. But to answer your question, I don't can't tell you what the, the difference is in Zambia. I know they've got, like, the Morses are very good. I've seen them play. They came up and played in South Africa the one time. They came down and played in South Africa, and they were very, very good when they came. I'd be lying about other ones. I couldn't tell you names or how good they are. So, yeah, it'd be unfair of me to say. The last thing I ask about the Africans is, is there anyone switching countries before the next World Cup? Is everyone where they're going to be for the next World Cup? Oh, it depends if I get selected or not. Um, <laughs> I might move to Kenya. <laughs> no, what was it? What, what was that country that? Oh, the DRC. Yeah, DRC. Yeah, uh, the Congo. 
Yeah, Phil have me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll look. I'll, I'll take a degree with you on. Yeah, no, I think we, I think we pretty much set. There was lots of talk about people moving countries this way and that way and playing for new countries and stuff. But it's, it was, I think it was unfair on them as well to, in the fact that there was so much unrest in in Zim, especially and in Zambia earlier on. There was there was a massive insurgency in Zambia because everything sort of overnight sorted itself out from Zambia and everyone was like, oh, there's, that's where we want to be. So they went to Zambia and then like, a couple of people were married and moved to Zimbabwe. And, yeah, I think it was unfair. If, uh, people were giving them shit about it. Don't, you know, <laughs> unfounded. I don't, I don't want to say stable in Zim. It's not stable, but everyone that's in Zim now is probably going to stay there for a bit. You know, they, they're, pretty much, they're pretty much there. They've got families and they've settled down there. Are there million dollar notes still? Is there like that kind of inflation? Yeah, I mean, it changes every time I go back. Yeah, at one point we we had three currencies going on. We had like a, a US dollar that we that was not necessarily legal, but everyone used. And then we had the the bond note, which is yeah, I still don't understand it. I think it was like a paper Bitcoin that didn't actually have much value um, as much value as Bitcoin, but it, like it was an idea of money, but it wasn't actually money. Uh, so you couldn't take it anywhere else. Like if I took one note to South Africa, they would never give change it for rand because it doesn't actually exist. And then there's EcoCash, which is like a, a cell phone company that came up with almost like a bank account attached to your to your cell phone. So you could send money from my cell phone number to your cell phone number. And then you could go to a shop and buy your groceries by sending a message off your phone. To the, the one thing about Zimbabwe is they always make a plan. So there's always a plan to be made. And if it's not working, they'll make a way to make it work. But yeah, it's a... It is a mess, but it's it's coming out. It'll be right. Do you think that uh, Zimbabwe was the most slighted in the last exodus of players? And I mean, it's going to take a lot to get them back into Zimbabwe <laughs> to get them on the next World Cup team, or are you just training uh, that the next wave have to be juniors? Yeah, they they're not going to come back. They they're pretty much set up there. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, it's 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 awesome for them. Everyone that moved to Zambia is doing way better than they were in Zimbabwe, and. There's more to life. So, yeah, I was just curious about that. Just sort of get the pulse of, of Africa right now. So glad to hear there's not a lot of cra- craziness going on. I mean, I can't even imagine what it was like back in the early 2000s, the 90s in Zimbabwe. Glad to hear it's getting better. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's getting better in some sense. It's also struggling. So it's not, it's just going like back to you, like the, when, they, when everyone did leave, leaving, you're leaving because Zimbabwe is so in such a shit situation that she, she couldn't make a lifestyle. You couldn't, maintain a lifestyle for, you know, for especially for like young families that are trying to get going, you, you'd struggle. So that, that's why you want to I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think people that stay have now studies and they, they're going all right. So that, that's fine. In a polycross sense, and in, in, in purely polycross sense, Africa is very fluid. We play a lot with each other. Yeah, with South Africa being the hub, players come to South Africa a hell of a lot more than, than you know, they, we play a lot of polycross in South Africa. That's where if you want to improve your skills and if you want to play a high level of polycross consistently, you play in South Africa. Like Donnie will come to South Africa. I know Dumbs comes a lot. Mm. Mikey's played here a few times. I don't want to put myself in a hole here, but I'd say you probably need to play in South Africa. Play a high level of polycross, consistently high level of polycross. Not that Zim or Zambia are, are low levels of polycross, but just that you play against the same players often. Um, right. So you, you get into that like a rhythm of playing in Rothschild and Greg Sargent, who are very, very good players um, in their own right. But we play against them seven times in a, in a season and every week at practice. You're stagnant. You're not, if you're not moving, you're not winning and you're, not, you know, you're staying still. So 
you come right. down South Africa, you've never played against a James Hackman who is a very good player. You've never played against, or you have played against, but you play against him once or twice a year. And that just lifts your game slightly. Yeah, the, depth, the depth of players are just, yeah. yeah. I'd say Braxton would agree with me, and I'm speaking for him, so I probably shouldn't, but when he comes to South Africa, his, the level of polycross players rises as well. He 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 joins that the, the speed and the pace and the, and the intensity. Uh, again, I'm speaking for him, so I could be lying, but in America, it's probably not as as fast and as intense. So when he comes here, it, um, he, it, it just improves that level of polycross. Um, right. And he, it's good for him and it's good for him. I'm of the impression that if you can get overseas and play you know, anywhere in the world and play different polycross, you can only improve you. So my ideal world is there's no African brand of polycross and no Australian brand of polycross. You, we're playing polycross and there might be slight differences in game plans and something, but we all have the same skill set. I would love to go to Australia and learn how to play an Australian way of you know, of the, you know, the, how they, they carry the ball more so than we do. Right. I'm more comfortable getting the ball, looking for space and moving the ball around. And I can, you know, I'm happy to do that because so, that's what I've grown up doing, whereas Australia don't do it. Again, like, you know, like I said, ideally that would be, that'd be brilliant if everyone played the same skill sets and see who did the same skill sets better. What I'm trying to create, and I'm trying to get America to pull off a high goal, and what I'm trying to create is a world tour of high goals. So New Zealand has theirs. Yeah. You know, you've got South Africa, which is the the best. And then you've got America. We can, if we can throw one together every year. Australia's having a lot of these incentive matches, these high-level games. But if they can get a – if they're willing to put on a high goal and invite other players from other countries, it would be phenomenal. Zim and, Zim's done it. Zambia's done the Open. Those have been more just African players. If there's any way they can pull them off. And I'm just talking about – if we had eight player team, let's say we had, you know, if it's six player teams, then internationally you've got a male and a female on a six player team. And those six players or the four Americans would provide eight horses. Obviously you might want to add an extra player. So make it eight player teams to have more horses. It just raises the level. So if we can get an international tour going on where these players are just being interchanged throughout the year, it would just really, you know, help the, the sport in, in total. So that's, that's where my vision is. I'm hoping to pull it off so that other countries like the UK, wink, wink, um, who never want to be second to us, realize that if we can pull it off, they can pull it off. You know, you don't need yeah. you don't need a million horses to pull it off. If you're if you're hosting two players and you've got you know let's say six American players, that's twelve horses for uh, eight players. You know, you can you can pull that off. So are they good? You're fine. Okay, well- yeah, just we'll, we'll get to that now. But just discussing having that that almost like a league where you have five high goals. What you what you might what the, you might struggle with is inevitably you're going to get the same players playing or the same like the, the players that can afford to to travel three times a year to America, New Zealand, Australia, or whatever the case might be. Those will be the players that go, and not necessarily. Oh, I don't know. I don't want to say names, but you you're not going to get a, a player that can't afford to go three times it might be a 10 handicap um, what if they're what if all their expenses are paid by the team sponsor oh yeah then you, that's a different Obviously. story yeah yeah that's, that's what we're yeah. shooting, what we're shooting for i don't know if it'll happen but we're trying to make it that and then having the wild card players being auctioned off similar type of thing i don't know how mm. it happens with the high goal in durban but the dirt that that land rover high goal if they're paying fully for the players or just partially no uh, they what do you mean like the teams 
Yeah, like the players that come internationally, are they paying? Are they fully billeted or? Uh, um, they- I, yeah, I'm not actually sure. I think each team is different depending on their budget. Um, so I know some teams will pay for like uh, Zimbabwean horses to come up uh, to play, and then some will be like, "Well, find your own way to, to Durban." We'll see there. So it depends on your on your budget and on your on the commitment that your your manager or, or your sponsors put forward. Going back to the Zim Open was the the father of the whole the whole high goal idea. They would they would fund a lot of it, so they would pay for tickets and they'd. That was big money, and there was like a, it was a time where people were doing very well on Zim, and it was a bragging rights sort of situation. You, if you won the high goal, the Zim Open, you, it was that, it was worth it. You put that much money into it, um, and also what you'll find is high goals is if you have a team that's committed. So a lot of the time they'll make the team the year before. They'll say, "Oh, well, we need." For the, I'm pretty sure they've some of the people have really started thinking about the 2022 high goal. They have an idea going forward, and they produce horses for the high goal. Mm. And that also helps your the pool of horses in the country. And you're going to have people producing horses that they can't afford to keep after the high goal. So they'll, they'll get them and, and train them for nine months, whatever the case may be. Produce really, really good horses and then have 15 and they can afford to keep four. And then they sell nine or well, that's off there, but whatever the whatever the case may be, they sell the, the excess into junior polycross or B division polycross or Young A division product players, and they've got that that horse pool straight up bats increased by fifty horses in, the, in one high goal. Yeah, I mean that that's that's one of the benefits. I know in Zim, at least one Donny Swan's dad had a team in the in the Zim Open that he played every year, and they would buy horses for Zim Open uh, from South Africa or from you know get young horses in and and start them and, and play them in the, in the Zim Open. Like that, that was a tournament of the year for them, and they would pump money into it and pump. Get good players and get Yanni. When Yanni was a gun young player, he was 19 years old or 20 years old, and he was a machine then, they would bring him up and, and get him going. Um, and he played for them for quite a while. And then the one year they brought up, I think it was 2012, excuse me, they brought up the South African side and the South African side won it. Um, but they, that year they brought all those South African horses, they put them on a truck and sent them to Zimbabwe for a couple of weeks. And so, and then a lot of the time I remember. So I have to bring up horses that they wanted to sell. So they would they would bring up horses that they they, they wanted to get rid of and bring them to the Zim Open and they say, Oh, this one's for sale. And they play it and they leave it with the bought it. Again, just helped our horse, uh, pool of horses. Because again, it's an African thing. So because we're so fluid and because we are neighbors, we can do that. It's not necessarily the case in America or New Zealand or Australia. The benefits outweigh the the cons, the right. work. I I look at things probably a little more pragmatically than some people, I just, I just think if you if you look at the high goal as a business, as a South African Durban high goal, I dare say they make a hell of a lot of money on it. Um, and that's what keeps sort of keeps them going until the next year. And then they make a hell of a lot more money. And it's, you, if you do that in America, with, like I said, your sensationalism in America and the, the ability to make a spectacle out of things, you could do very well. And, you know, you can make it quite big. Yeah, I don't know what the level of horses is in America at the moment. Um, I don't know at all, ever. High goals are all about horses. So if you could put horses in, enough horses, enough good horses to to play proper level power across eight chuckers, you'd, you'd do well. So in a perfect world, if we had, let's just say we had eight player teams, one international male, one international female, 
that would be three men, three women per team times four. So 12 men, 12 women, all putting in, uh, in a mixed sides, all putting in two horses each requirement mm-hmm. um, at a minimum, obviously. And those, those have to be top level horses, the best we can come up with. That's one thing. And I think that it can be pulled off. It, yeah, it may not be the same level as South Africa, but it'll definitely be, you know, those players trying out for the World Cup. They're already having multiple horses. Like I said, the spectacle would be phenomenal. You could have mm. six Chukka matches and then an eight Chukka final. <laughs> and it would be like polo where in between Chukkas, you're replacing horses and just having fresh legs coming in as much as yes. possible. Oh, we, we do play in, in the 2019 one. That, that was, we, we went to the very young side. Um, but the, the, the team that we entered, we sort of, was quite, we got put in quite late and we didn't have time to find horses and, so we did sort of scrape the barrel and get some horses that we ideally wouldn't have played. Oh, I'm talking for myself now, but uh, uh, I think all of the boys have played. I'd reckon they'd agree. And then we'd go on against Bruce. I mean, we had no chance of beating them. That was a world class side. We were very, very good. But we were competitive for three chuckers or whatever, maybe. I don't want to go watch the tape, so it was pretty bad. But um, the I would say we were competitive, especially... Oh, okay. Well, we were competitive for say three times. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'd run out of good horses. We'd play all our good ones, come off, and then think I'll get on to old um, donkey over there and see what you can get out of it. And it didn't, it didn't, it just didn't work. And then yeah, you, you, you find yourself getting you're behind the eight ball straight away because the horses are the, the horsepower that you're going against is so, such a different level. And they just get off one good horse and onto another good horse. Right. And they can play six chuckers on. Like the horses that they're trying to hide were probably in the top ten percent of the horses that we were playing. Oh my god! Um, so they, they were very very good horses and just yeah and very very good players. So they can't take that away. But as Adam Heigl, we were a bad example. But even like going into the final, which got we watched the final of the night. Horsepower, I think, had a big part in as well, and management of horses because that's what Beth McClarty is very very good at, and Bruce. But Beth legendary is, is she's. She's legendary at it. She's managed to to keep horses going at a high level for a long time and at World Cups and manage horses and keep them performing at the best. And that's another thing that you that makes Buttercross completely yeah. completely different game to what it was. A horse that you just chase mombies chase cars with and yeah. uh, try to get a game out of it. If I was suggesting anything for you for that for that um, for your high goals, work on horses. Before you work on on sponsors and, and that sort of thing, you have to have your sponsors. You have to have an idea of where you're going. But I would say try figure out the laws, the rules that you want to go by, and say so right. you have to. You can't have more than, or if it's a six man team, or do you say eight man team? Yeah. So if you're okay. an eight man team, you can't have more than sixteen horses. So you, the sixteen horses you're getting are the best of the sixteen. They're not throwing and getting twenty four and last right. eight times. For animals, and they you know, to be in a meat right. pie. That, that's what I would suggest is work on good horses before you work on numbers. America, on just on what, I, what I've watched and what I understand about America, you've got very, very good horsemen there. Um, so you have right. got right. a level of rider. You might not have trainers that are selling horses, but you have got people that can produce good horses. Yeah. So yeah. And they've got the incentive to, if you're saying from you got a high goal next year, it's uh, going to be a big thing. Good horses. Right. they yeah. will they'll produce them because they want to win I mean just by as as people we don't like losing I had this discussion with someone else the other day I said I, I hate losing more than I like winning right yeah. 
draws against Sand Dizzy. So if you say to them, this is it's gonna be a big part of tournament and you wanna win it, they'll they'll put the effort in and that's it'll happen. Yeah. I back it. I think it's a really good idea. If you can get the, the finance to to help out people traveling and that sort of thing, it'll definitely improve the the standard. As a podcast, I've had a great sponsor in Saucy Farm and I'm looking to create more partnerships with other businesses. Since April of last year, when I started the podcast, we've had over 13,000 downloads. And I just wanted to share some of these numbers. We've been very Australia heavy in the last month, but in the last six weeks, we've had 1,854 unique listeners from Australia. So 70% have been from Australia, which makes sense. I mean, that's got the most players. And then USA, we've had almost 300. So that's 11% of unique listeners, just unique people listening to the podcast. UK comes in third at 7% of 195, South Africa at 65, Canada at 60, Ireland at 50, New Zealand at 33, Zambia at 22. That's pretty good. Zim at 12, and then Europe at 12. The point of it is that the the podcast has become global and I've organically grown it. I've had, uh, except for New Zealand, I've had players from all over I'm, I'm actually going to try to have someone from France if I can. We'll get to Jared quickly if we can, or the bow. But I've made it a global podcast. So I'm looking for partnerships with, with companies that can advertise on the podcast. So, and as far as reaching the Polo Cross community, there, I can't think of a better way than on the podcast. Because if you look at the number of unique listeners in the last six weeks, if there's 6,000 players and, and you know these numbers are close to what... Uh, 2000 unique listeners. If you're going to be a pull across business and, and, and it comes to like in the, you know, in the pull across ball world or the helmet world or the racket world, there's only a couple, right? It's not like you're yeah. choosing from it's very, five. It's very niche market. Yeah. It's like Pepsi versus Coca-Cola. The one that gets heard the most is going to get the most sales. So I'm hoping to capture some of that. Obviously uh, it's not the traditional market where it's purely based on downloads. I've captured a high percentage of the market that exists. Pull across market might be six or 7,000 people around the world. They're not all necessarily playing right now, but they're fans of pull across. So that's the number I came up with, which is like 6,000. Jay Marriott said it as a conservative number, maybe 2,000 current players in Australia. Yeah. So I just wanted to kind of talk about that, that the market's out there, that I'm looking for partnerships, just trying to find people to help, you know, sponsor the podcast and people, you know, having people on like you have been phenomenal. I like to have throw these numbers out of those 13,000 downloads, the number one podcast. Can you guess which one it was? It has to be us. It has to be podcast Bible, surely. Okay. Simon, <laughs> Simon Shearing was the first, but I don't think yeah. that's the only reason. He's at 934. He, he transcends countries. I mean, he's part African and, you know, he lives in the UK and he just must be, um, a, a, you know, he, I made him blush in the last podcast talking about this. Number two is Jimmy Grills at, at 700. But I, I've been doing some ads in, in, in Australia and I've been really been pushing the Australians. So that helps. Sarah and Charlie, his parents at 694. And then the Polo Cross Bible coming in fourth at 580. You guys were phenomenal. You were big, but to have Simon, so if we could have the Bible with Simon, that might be the best. That might just. Oh, I'm sure we can make that work. Would he? I love uh, I could, like I said, I could talk about Spider-Cross all day. So yeah, Simon. You know he, He's such a funny guy. He's good at giving people hell about things. Do you think he'd be? 
he'd be able to get you guys fired up a little bit. Uh, that was probably the we, we could have got uh, someone on there to, to turn the turn the tables a lot. We are a good bunch of buggers, so we probably a little bit one headed. I mean, it'll be nasty, nasty see what nasty see what happens when. And I know Simon. I love Simon. and get away all of it. He does. Uh, he does have the ability to to, to step on tires and you get uh, get people's blood boiled. So I think it'd be good to get him on. Yeah. I love it. Thanks, Cody, for being on the podcast. I appreciate all your insight, African perspective, but just being able to speak about Polo Cross, how it's going right now, all the things that you're excited about. So I really appreciate you being on the podcast. Look forward to our next conversation. It'll be soon. Oh, I hope so. Thanks very much, Ryan. It's always a pleasure, man. Yeah. Have a good night. I appreciate it. Yeah. Be in touch. Take it easy. Bye. All right. Have a good one. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode. What a great time I had with Cody. You can tell his love and passion for the sport and how high his polo cross IQ is. I was lucky to have him on and the polo cross community should feel lucky as well. Cheers, Cody. Here on Chugga Talk, we appreciate your feedback. Have you enjoyed the show? Do you have questions or comments? Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. For a chance to be featured on the show, leave a voicemail by finding the Send Voicemail Sidebar button on PoloCrossMadeSimple.com. For more Polocross coaching, go to PoloCrossMadeSimple.com. You'll find ebooks on how to become a great player and even on how to become a great coach. Find me on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a good one.